So Jesus said to the Jews who had been believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. May you be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Uh, Just two quick announcements before we get started this morning. Um, I believe there's a picture. We've been praying for uh, a Southern Baptist missionary. They're friends of Rob. Uh, they came home from uh, a country, uh, we're not allowed to talk about it with, because it's being recorded, but a uh, dangerous country. They came home because his wife uh, was ill uh, and she uh, had a blood clot and so they had to rush, the, rush home to the States to deal with all that. She was pregnant at the time too, so um, this is their family. She, they just had their baby this week, amen, praise the Lord for that. Um, God is good. And from what I heard on Wednesday, they're heading back to the mission field uh, in the next six weeks. Is that right, Rob? So we can continue to pray for them. Uh, they're grateful to God, but they're ready to uh, get back uh, to serve the Lord. And so uh, we're grateful. Let's continue to pray for them. Rob, thanks for keeping us up to speed on that. Also, after we're done today, um, we are having uh, lunch. Uh, you're going to want to stay for lunch, I promise. If you've never been here for lunch uh, at Powell's Chapel, you'll leave full, but you'll leave with your palates. Just, it's like going to be like a party in your mouth, I promise. The f- good food in here, uh, I promise that. So you're going to want to stick around for that. But as you're heading down to the fellowship hall, uh, you'll see to my left, to your right, there's some books. We're giving those books away. If you uh, want any books, take those. But there's also um, the Sunday school classroom right next to the library is full of books that are free too. So you can... Uh, take those books um, uh, home as well. Let's get started with this morning's message. We're in John chapter 8, and uh, we're in this series called Jesus Stories, and we're looking at at these uh, stories that are factual, they really happened, uh, that Jesus participated in. We looked last week at the woman that was caught in adultery, and we looked at uh, how Jesus forgives. This morning we're going to look at how Jesus brings freedom. I want to share a story before we start the message this morning, Uh, and I I want you to think of yourself in this story. We had Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents that our country had ever seen, and he had this passion that every man would be free, right? That, That was one of his things. He wanted freedom for everyone, slaves included. And so we had a civil war about slavery, about those that were in bondage and kept in bondage. Well, if you remember, the, the war ended and then uh, President Lincoln signed a document that every man would go free. But there was this group of slaves in Texas that didn't get the word about what had happened for almost two years. So they were free but they did not live free because the word had not gotten to them. And I wondered when I heard that story and read that story and reminded of that story this week, how many of us live like those slaves in Texas? Free. 
but still live in bondage. Think about that for a moment. They were free. President Lincoln signed the document. That moment, the document was signed. All the slaves were free. But how long it took for that word to travel to Texas for them to be set free. And I wonder for us as the believer this morning, how many of us were declared righteous before a holy God, were declared free before a holy God? Galatians 5.1 tells us that. But we don't live in the freedom that's been declared over us because of the work of Christ on the cross. But Jesus says in this passage, turn with me again to John 8. So if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And so before I start the message, if you're a believer today, you are free. You've been set free. But I beg the question, are you living as free men and women? Are you still living in bondage because of your faulty mind and your faulty thinking? The truth is, is this, you've been set free, so you're free indeed. We're going to look at four things about freedom this morning in this passage. We're going to look at freedom through service, freedom through salvation, freedom from slavery, and freedom because we have a a Savior, the five S's of freedom. Let's turn. I'll actually start in John chapter 8, verse 31, or verse 30. Jesus has been speaking. You remember last week we looked at the woman caught in adultery. Then in the next part of John's gospel, he talks about Jesus coming and teaching about him being the light of the world. And that when you come to Christ, you're no longer in the darkness, but you're in the light and the light has set you free. And then there's this verse that says this in verse 30. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews, those who in verse 30 had just placed their belief in him, he gives them the service of what it means to be a true disciple. Now I'm going to make a bold statement this morning, and you may want to refute it out of John 11, but we look at the context of the whole of scripture, belief in God and God alone, just the idea of belief is not the thing that brings salvation. Let me say that again. If all you do is have a knowledge, a belief that Christ is who he says he is, that's not enough. That's what was happening with the Jews that day, and that's what Jesus is about to address with them. How do we know this? We know this from the parable in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 is the parable of the the sower and the seed. The the sower goes out and he sows the seed and the first seed falls along the path and all of a sudden the birds come and eat it up. Well, that first moment of that seed in the ground is a moment of belief. The second parable is this in that is that some seed falls along the rocks, and it grows up fast, but it dies fast. And the third is the 
thorns that some seed is falling into the thorns and the, 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 the wiles of the world choke out the seed. But the last one says this. Some falls on the good soil and it grows and flourishes. In, John, in James chapter 2, James is writing to the believer and he, he says this. You, you believe that God is one. Great. Even the demons believe that. And so Jesus is going to tell us, it's not just our belief. When we believe something, our belief has to shape everything that we do. It has to change everything. And so he says to us, if you're really going to be my disciples, my true disciples, if you're really going to be what you just said you are in verse 30, if you're really going to believe me, this is what you have to do. He says, if you what? Jesus says to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. To truly be God's disciple, to truly have freedom, we must abide in God's word. James tells us this, faith without works is dead. So there is a service that comes along with our freedom. I'm going to get that to the very end of the passage, the very end of this morning i'm going to get us back there and so i asked the question this morning do we just simply have a belief of who god is my fear is many of us have this belief and we wonder why we don't live in the freedom that god offers us because of it all that is is there your belief in your mind that god has changed you but that belief doesn't move you into action, then you're like the path or the rocky soil or the seed that's been thrown among the thorns. Belief in and of itself is not enough for our salvation. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. One of the most terrifying passages of all the New Testament, in my opinion. But the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did not we not do many works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What he was speaking to was the people that had knowledge. He was speaking to, in chapter 7 of Matthew, are the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the scribes, they have more knowledge than all of us in this room put together. They had the belief of who God was, mentally. But that belief didn't change anything about who they were. He says, if you want to really be my true disciple, you must what? Abide in my word. Are we abiding in God's word? If you want freedom, your freedom is found here and here and alone. Are we spending time in God's word to find the freedom that he offers? Because this is the true truth that comes out of that freedom. Verse 32, he says this. And once you have abided in my word, you are my disciple, you will know the truth, 
Not just believe the truth, but you'll know the truth, and the truth will what in the passage? Set you free. You see, Jesus says this in John 10.10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life to the full. You see, but we only know life to the full because of God's word. So many people look at God's word and they think it's a, uh, this, uh, this idea of don't do this and do do this and this is wrong and this is right. Though that's true within the concept of the book, but this book is meant to show you how to live the most holy and righteous life. It's not a, it's not a rule book. This is a book of freedom. And when we look at the book as a book of rules, of do's and don'ts, there's no freedom in that, is there? And God has given us his word, his true word, that we would have freedom, and freedom to the full. If you want a free life, immerse yourself in God's word, because God's word will always bring you freedom. And what's happened in our world, in our society, is we don't want God's truth any longer. And does God's word really say that about marriages? Does God's really, does his word really say that uh, about our sexuality? Does God's word really say that uh, about you fill in the blank? You see, the world is going to attack God's truth. But God's truth is always God's truth. Like, there's some things in God's word where we can get on board with. Like, would, would it not be true if there was no murder in the world that there would be more freedom? Like, if, if we, as a society, stuck to that one law, there shall be no murder, there shall be no stealing, would we not have less fear? Like, if everyone on Walter Hill, just Walter Hill, said, I'm going to live by no murder and no theft, well, we wouldn't have to have the fear to lock our door. But we pick and choose what's truth. But God says, my word is always true, and abide in it, and know it, and live by it, and then you'll have a free life. You see, as God's disciples, we must serve him through abiding in his word. And then we must not only abide in his word, but we must practice his word. And are we practicing God's word? Because that's where true salvation comes. True salvation comes in abiding and practicing the word of God. Now the place I want to spend more time this morning. So here he is confronting the Jews. He's again, if you read the text, if you read the context of where he's at, he's back in the church. So the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees would have been there. And he said, and you will know the truth and truth will set you free. Then they answered him. We are all springs of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? 
I want us to look at two things in that passage. The first thing is this. They ask, they say to Jesus, hey, we're offsprings of Abraham. Okay, that's true. But as I came to this text, I wondered for us, church, of how many of us make that claim in so many different subtle ways. What they were saying is our salvation doesn't rest in you, Lord Jesus. Our salvation rests in who we come from, Abraham. Like If you were to say, I'm saved because my mom and dad always brought me to church, that's what they were saying. I'm saved because from the moment I was born, I was in the church. That's what they're saying. They're taking their heritage and who they are in their heritage and equating it to their salvation. And Jesus says, no, no, he's going to get to that part in the passage. And I wonder for us in this church, how many of us look back at our mamas and our mamas, mamas, and our mamas, 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 and say, that's why I am a Christian. And there's no true salvation. See, that's what Jesus is going to say. That's the first point. The second point is even more important. What do they say? We're descendants of Abraham. That's our salvation. And have never been enslaved to anyone. Really? Remember who's talking. The Jews are talking. The Israelites are talking. They've been enslaved most of their existence. They started off as slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And from then, you can walk through the Old Testament and see kingdom after kingdom after kingdom after kingdom after kingdom put them in bondage and slavery. In the moment they're in, this very moment, they're in slaves to the Roman Empire. And they have the audacity to say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And I wonder for us, church, That we've been in our sins so long. That we're so used to it. That we don't even know we're in bondage anymore. You, you, you think about the drug addict or the alcoholic. If you've ever dealt with a drug addict or alcoholic. And you bring their sin of addiction to their face. They will outright say, nah, I got this. Or whatever sin they've been in so long, they think they have power and control over it. And what they're saying is, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And I wonder for us today, there's sin in our life that we've been enslaved in so long that we don't even know we're enslaved into it any longer. It's like putting a frog in a, in a pot of water. Now, I'm not going to eat frog unless there's some down there, because if there's some down there, it's going to be good. But I, I think to myself, how many of us Christians started off in a sin that didn't go confessed, that went unnoticed, and Satan all the while turned up the heat? You see, that frog in the pot would say, no, the water's not getting hot. No, no, the water's the same temperature. 
until what happens to the frog? It dies. And I wonder for us, church, if we would say, oh, no, no, I've never been enslaved to anything. And yet you're bound in sin today. We know this to be true. In 1 John, he tells us this, all of us in this room, all of us are in sin. He says, John says this, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And I wonder for us, if there's sin in our life that's gone unchecked and unconfessed, that we would say, no, there's there's no sin. That's not true. All of us in this room have sin in our life that must be confessed. And I wonder for us, if there's unconfessed sin in our life, and you sit and wonder, man, why am I not free? Well, you're not free because you have sin in your life that's unchecked and unconfessed. And Jesus says to them and to us in verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to everyone who practices sin is a slave. First John says we all practice sin. So therefore we're all partakers in sin. If we're all partakers in sin, we practice in sin. Therefore we won't find freedom if we practice our sin. And then he says this. Truly, truly, he's simply saying to them, amen, amen. Like this is the truth is what Jesus is saying to them. I think sin happens two ways for us we get enslaved to sin because of our desires our our desires get off that's why the psalmist says place yourself in the lord and then god will give you the desires of your heart we want to take that one verse and say god gives us the desires of our heart but we don't want to look at the first half of the verse The first half of the verse says, delight yourself in the Lord. See, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then our desires change. And I wonder for us, how many of us don't delight ourselves in the Lord and our desires are all over the map? So I think the first place that we get trapped or enslaved to sin is in our own desires. And we're not willing to let go of our own desires for what God would have that's for us. And I'm not saying all desires are necessarily evil. There are some great desires, but they go unchecked from the Lord. Then they become enticing, enslaving desires. See, it's not a wrong desire to have a good job. It's not wrong desire to have a family. It's not a wrong desire to have Children, it's not a wrong desire to be married. It's not a wrong, you fill in the blank. But when those desires take triumph on my life, they become an idol, and that idol takes me away from the goodness of God. But if we go back to verse 31 and 32, do I know the truth? Because the truth will always shape my desires. I think the second thing that sin does 
is that it will enslave us so much so to the place of condemnation. Self-condemnation. Anyone ever been there before? Like that, that place that Paul says in Romans chapter 7, the very thing I don't want to do, I continue to do, and the things I want to do don't seem like I can do, and there's this self-condemnation, like, man, I just wonder how I could get out of it, get out of it, get out of it. And we beat ourselves up. Anyone like that? I know I do that. And so because this sin in our life that we don't want, but we really don't want to confess it to God and other people, we think we have the willpower to get out of it on our own. You do not have enough willpower to get out of sin on your own. And it enslaves us to the point of eventually will lead us to condemnation. All the way to the place that if we don't go without checking it before the Lord and other people, we will be condemned by the Lord. The ultimate condemnation of those who are in sin that have never repented of Christ Jesus, to Christ Jesus, there is ultimate condemnation for them. It's called the wrath of God. And we live in a world that says you don't need God. So there's ultimate condemnation. Which leads me to the last point. We need a Savior. The same way that those slaves needed a savior they needed someone to do for them what they could not do for themselves those slaves in texas needed someone way above them to set them free they needed abraham lincoln to write his name on a document to set them free we need that same in our spiritual lives and this is what he says in verse 36 so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. See who it says sets us free? Do you catch that in verse 36? If who sets you free? Not yourself, not your mama, not your good works, not your fill in the blank. There's only one that sets us free. The son sets us free. You see, for a son to set us free, the son to set the slave free, the, the slave has no right. The, son, the slave cannot go to the master and say, hey, I'm free, I'm out of here. The, 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 the slave cannot write his, uh, I'm out of here, documentation. He needs the son to write that document for us. And that's what Jesus did for us. He set us free by his finished work on the cross. I want to end with this story. I want to end asking us these three things. Are you set free this morning? You see, there has to be a desire first for freedom. Do you have desire to be set free? Do you have the longing, the want to? Man, I, the thing I keep doing, I don't want to do. I, I want to have the desire to be set free of that. The ability to be set free. And then the opportunity to be set free. I read this story. I'll end with this story this morning. I will never jump out of an airplane, but that's what this story is about. It's about a man that wanted to go skydiving. 
And so he was going to the airport to get into a plane to jump out of the plane and, you know, sail through the air till he landed on the ground. So he had the desire, the, op- the ability, and the opportunity. But on his way to the airport, he hit a pothole and blew out his right tire. So he still had the desire to jump out of the plane. He still had the ability to jump out of the plane, but he no longer had the opportunity to jump out of the plane. Well, so the man the next day decided, hey, I'm going to really jump out. Another man the next day decided he wanted to jump out of the plane. He had the desire to jump out of the plane. That's what got him in the car to go to the airport. He had the opportunity once he got to the airport because there was a plane waiting for him. But when the instructor asked him, hey, have you gone through all the classes to jump out of a plane with a parachute? He said no. He no longer had the ability to jump out of the plane. Well, there was another man. He had the desire to jump out of the plane. He had sat through all the courses to be able to jump out of a plane. But when he got to the airport, there was no plane waiting for him, so he didn't have the opportunity to jump out of the plane. And then there's this last man. So I asked the question about those three men first. Did they truly have freedom? No. No. The second, the last man, he had the desire. He got in his car that day. He had the ability. He had went through all the classes. He had the opportunity. He was in the plane. They were soaring off, and they got to that place uh, of stupidity, in my opinion, to jump out of a plane. So he jumps out of the plane. He has, the desire is fully there. The ability, all of his head knowledge is fully there. He knows exactly what to do. He has all the equipment to do that. The opportunity is presented itself because he's jumped out of the plane. And I ask the question, is he free? No. Because what does he need? He needs a parachute. Because what happens in the moment he pulls the cord, the parachute does not open. What happens to him? He's got the desire. He's got the opportunity. He's got the willingness. He's got it all. But he doesn't have a parachute that works for him. He doesn't have a savior. And I wonder for us, church, if we have the desire to stop sinning, we have the ability to stop sinning, we have the opportunity to stop sinning, but we don't have the savior to empower us to not to sin. You see, the freedom only comes through the power of the Savior. The, the ability doesn't rest in you and me. Are you truly free today? Because freedom only comes through one person and one person alone. It says this, and I'll end with this. So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You have freedom this morning. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we need you. First, I pray for us. If there's people in the room that all they do is they just have the mindset of belief, that's not enough. The demons believe. But we need an active faith.
And our active faith is shown through our willingness and desire to be in your word that sets us free. God, I pray for all of us. That like the last, man, I pray that we, God, we have the desire to be set free from our sin. The ability is found in your word to be set free. Today's the opportunity to be set free. And I pray that we would find a Savior that changes our desires, that changes and gives us the ability and opportunity to live freely. You tell us in your word. For Christ has come to set you free and we're free indeed. No longer take up the yoke of slavery any longer. And so God, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning that has that yoke of bondage, that today they would take that yoke and they'd place it before you and they'd take your way of life onto them. You are a great and good and saving God. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.